0: Chapter Eleven of *Habakuk* by E. Phillips Oppenheim. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Tom Waes, Tom's Chapter Eleven, von Burlings' Fate. It seemed to Louise that she had scarcely been in bed an hour when the more confidential of her maids, Annette, the Frenchwoman, woke her with a light touch of the arm. She sat up in bed sleepily what is it annette she asked surely it is not midday yet why do you disturb me it is barely nine o'clock mademoiselle but monsieur bellamy mademoiselle told me that she wished to receive him whenever he came he is in the boudoir now and very impatient did he send any message only that his business was of the most urgent the maid replied louise sighed she was really very sleepy then as the thoughts began to crowd into her brain she began also to remember some part of the excitement of a few hours ago returned my bathinet and a dressing-gown she ordered tell monsieur bellamy that i hurry i will be with him in twenty minutes to bellamy the twenty minutes were minutes of purgatory she came at last however fresh and eager her hair tied up with ribbon she herself clad in a pink dressing-gown and pink slippers david she cried my dear david then she broke off. What is it? she asked in a different tone. He showed her the headlines of the newspaper he was carrying. Tragedy, he answered hoarsely. But Berling was true after all. At least it seems so. What has happened? she demanded. Bellamy pointed once more to the newspaper. He was murdered last night, within fifty yards of the place of our rendezvous. A little exclamation broke from Louise's lips. She sat down suddenly. The color called into her cheeks by the exercise of her bath was rapidly fading away. David, she murmured, is this true? It is indeed, Bellamy assured her. Not only that, but there is no mention of his pocketbook in the account of his murder. It must have been engineered by Streuss and the others, and they have got away with the pocketbook and the money. What can we do? she asked. "'There is nothing to be done,' Bellamy declared calmly. "'We are defeated. The thing is quite apparent. Von Behrling never succeeded, after all, in shaking off the espionage of the men who were watching him. They tracked him to our rendezvous. They waited about while I met him. Afterwards he had to pass along a narrow passage. It was there that he was found murdered.' "'But, David, I don't understand.' why did they wait until after he had seen you? How did they know that he had not parted with the paper in the restaurant? To all intents and purposes he ought to have done so. "'I cannot understand that myself,' Bellamy admitted. "'In fact, it is inexplicable.' She took up the newspaper and glanced at the report. "'Then you are sure, I suppose, that this does refer to von Birling? He is quite unidentified, you see.' there is no doubt about it, Bellamy declared. I have been to the mortuary. It is, certainly he. All our work has been in vain, just as I thought, too, that we had made a splendid success of it.' She looked at him compassionately. "'It is hard lines, dear,' she admitted. "'You are tired, too. You look as though you had been up all night.' "'Yes, I am tired,' he answered, sinking into a chair. "'I am worse than tired.' this has been the grossest failure of my career and i am afraid that it is the end of everything i have lost twenty thousand pounds of secret service money i have lost the one chance which might have saved england they will never trust me again you did your best she said coming over and sitting on the arm of his chair you did your best david she laid her hands upon his forehead her cheek against his smooth and cold exquisitely refreshing it seemed to his jaded nerves ah louise he murmured life is getting a little too strenuous perhaps we have given too much of it up to others what do you think she shook her head dear i have felt like that sometimes yet what can we do could we be happy you and i in exile if the things which we dread were coming to pass could i go away and hide while my countrymen were being butchered out of existence and you you are not the sort of man to be content with an ignoble peace no it isn't possible our work may not be over yet there was a knock at the door and annette entered with many apologies and mademoiselle she explained a thousand pardons and to monsieur also but there is a gentleman here who says that his business is of the most urgent importance and that he must see you at once i have done all that i can but he will not go away "'He knows that Monsieur Bellamy is here, too,' she added, turning to him. "'And he says his business has to do with Monsieur as well as Mademoiselle.' Bellamy almost snatched the card from the girl's fingers. He read out the name in blank amazement. "'Baron de Strux!' There was a moment's silence. Louise and he exchanged wondering glances. "'What can this mean?' she asked hoarsely. "'Heaven knows,' he answered. "'Let us see him together.' after all you can show the gentleman in annette her mistress ordered if he is the papers bellamy continued why does he come to us it is not like these men to be vindictive diplomacy to them is nothing a game of chess i do not understand the door opened annette announced their visitor Streuss bowed low to louise and he bowed also to bellamy i need not introduce myself he said with mr bellamy i have the honor to be well acquainted madame is known to all the world louise nodded somewhat coldly we can dispense with an introduction i think monsieur le baron she said at the same time you will perhaps explain to what i owe this somewhat unexpected pleasure mademoiselle an explanation there must certainly be i know that it is an impossible hour I know, too, that to have forced my presence upon you in this manner may seem discourteous. Yet the urgency of the matter, I am convinced, justifies me. Louise motioned him to a chair, but he declined with a little bow of thanks. Mademoiselle, he said, and you, Mr. Bellamy, we need not waste words. We have played a game of chess together, you, mademoiselle, and Mr. Bellamy on the one side, I and my friends upon the other. The honor of Rudolph von Berling was the pawn for which we fought. The victory remains with you. Bellamy never moved a muscle. Louise, on the contrary, could not help a slight start. Under the circumstances, the baron continued smoothly, the struggle was uneven. I do myself the justice to remember that from the first I realized that we played a losing game. Mademoiselle, he added, from the days of Cleopatra, Aye, and throughout those shadowy days which lie beyond the diplomats of the world have been powerless when matched against your sex rudolph von berling was an honest fellow enough until he looked into your eyes mademoiselle you have gifts which might perhaps have driven from his senses a stronger man louise smiled but there was no suggestion of mirth in the curl of her lips her eyes all the time sought his questioningly she did not understand you flatter me baron she murmured no i do not flatter you i speak the truth this plain talking is pleasant enough when the time comes that one may indulge in it that time i think is now rudolph von berling against my advice but because he was the chancellor's nephew was associated with me in a certain enterprise the nature of which is no secret to you mademoiselle or to mr bellamy here we followed a man who by some strange chance was in possession of a few sheets of foolscap, the contents of which were alike priceless to my country and priceless to yours the subsequent history of those papers should have been automatic the first step was fulfilled readily enough the man disappeared the papers were ours von berling was the man who secured them and von berling it was who retained them if my advice had been followed i admit frankly that we should have ignored all possible comment and returned with them at once to vienna the others thought differently they ruled that we should come on to london and deposit the packet with our ambassador here in a weak moment i consented it was your opportunity mademoiselle an opportunity of which you have splendidly availed yourself this time louise held herself with composure bellamy's brain was in a whirl but he remained silent i come to you both the baron continued with my hands open i come i make no secret of it i come to make terms but first of all i must know whether i am in time there is one question which i must ask i address it sir to you he added turning to bellamy have you yet placed in the hands of your government the papers which you obtained from von burling shook his head the baron drew a long breath of relief though he had maintained his savoir-faire perfectly the fingers which for a moment played with his tie as though to rearrange it were trembling well then i am in time will you see my hand mademoiselle and i answered bellamy are at least ready to listen to anything you may have to say you know quite well the baron continued what it is that i have come to say Yet. I want you to remember this. I do not come to bribe you in any ordinary manner. The things which are to come will happen. They must happen. If not this year, next. If not next year, within half a decade of years. History is an absolute science. The future as well as the past can be read by those who know the signs. The thing which has been resolved upon is certain. The knowledge of the contents of those papers by your government might delay the final catastrophe for a short while. It could do no more. In the long run, it would be better for your country, Mr. Bellamy, in every way that the end comes soon. Therefore, I ask you to perform no traitorous deed. I ask you to do that which is simply reasonable for all of us, which is indeed for the advantage of all of us. Restore those papers to me instead of handing them to your government, and I will pay you for them the sum of one hundred thousand pounds. One hundred thousand pounds, Bellamy repeated. One hundred thousand pounds, murmured Louise. There was a brief, intense pause. Louise waited, worn by the expression in Bellamy's face. Silence she felt was safest, and it was Bellamy who spoke. A baron, he said, your visit and your proposal are both a little amazing. Forgive me if I speak alone with Mademoiselle for a moment." Most certainly, the Baron agreed. I go away and leave you, out of the room, if you will. It is not necessary, Bellamy replied. Louise. The Baron withdrew to the window, and Bellamy led Louise into the furthest corner of the room. What can it mean? he whispered. What do you suppose has happened? I cannot imagine. My brain is in a whirl. If they have not got the pocket book, Bellamy muttered, it must have gone with von Burling to the mortuary if so there is a chance louise say nothing leave this to me as you will she assented i have no wish to interfere i only hope that he does not ask me any questions they came once more into the middle of the room and the baron turned to meet them you must forgive mademoiselle said bellamy if she is a little upset this morning she knows of course as i know and you know that von berling was playing a desperate game and that he carried his life in his hands yet his death has been a shock i may say to both of us from your point of view bellamy went on it was doubtless deserved but-what in god's name is that you say the baron interrupted i do not understand at all you speak of von behrling's death what do you mean bellamy looked at him as one who listens to strange words baron he said between us who know so much there is surely no need for you to play a part Von Behrling knew that you were watching him. Your spies were shadowing him, as they have done me. He knew that he was running terrible risks. He was not unprepared, and he has paid. It is not for us. Now, in God's name, tell me the truth, Baron de Streuss interrupted once more. What is it that you are saying about von Behrling's death? Bellamy drew a little breath between his teeth. He leaned forward, with his hands resting upon the table. Do you mean to say that you don't know? Upon my soul, no, replied the Baron. Bellamy threw open the newspaper before him. Von Burling was murdered last night, ten minutes after our interview. End of chapter 11 Recording by Tom Weiss Tom's Com.